It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. With Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, September 4th, and you're listening to episode 588. As always, I am your host, Jason, joined by longtime co-host... Number three in the chain of command, as dictated by the count of guests and hosts on the show, that is Mr. Julio Nasario. Hello. Hey, hey, Jason. Hello. How's it going? I mean, you say you say number three, but I don't know. With the amount of uh, uh, times that uh, Emily and Jamie have been on, they may surpass me real quickly, of course. And there's Nicole as well. Um, right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Really, some people have said when I've been like, you know, your number, whatever, they're like, well, you don't count and Rob doesn't count. So by those rules, you're number Ooh. one, right? Because, yeah. you know, and and here's and here's the deal. I mean, I I haven't been on because you haven't invited me. So that's oh, that's the again. thing right there. So so that's that's on you. So for li- listener, builders out there, I have been actively designing and playtesting and doing stuff. So. It's on Jason if you don't hear from me. <laughs> uh, it's true, though. It's true, though. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah, no, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. So well, other than I mean, you and I emailed each other, like we texted each other like 10 times, I swear, to get this episode to happen. So it's like, well, hey, I do remember that like, not this week. <laughs> it's yeah. partly on me. It's definitely partly. I mean, I, I'm taking it back. Right. Because uh, I guess the when you did reach out, I was going to Puerto Rico like the next week. Right, right. But that was like in July. Right. Well, then you reached out and I was going to Gen Con and then we've literally been traveling every week since that. So, uh, but now school starts on Monday or school's already started in this case when you're hearing this listeners and uh, yeah. And so we're back stuck at home again. Actually, it's funny because the weekend this publishes, we are camping uh, because it's Labor Day weekend. So the kids have Friday off. Uh, for their first week of school, so which is time great. travel, four day week, yeah, yeah. So I, what you um, been up to? Oh gosh, well, Gen Con was a lot. I've talked about that a lot, so I'm not going to yeah. rehash that. But um, beyond that, I've been working on some different stuff. Uh, worked on a game to get ready for Portal Spiel Online. Uh, hopefully that went well. I'm actually going to test that in a couple days. Uh, at Portal Spiel Online. Um, it's uh my uh, one of my solo one-shot rpgs uh called build a fire build nice. it big um and i'm pretty stoked about it i don't want to give too much information about it because i would love for people to be able to play it uh so i don't want to talk a ton about it because it's a one-shot right you play mm-hmm. it once and you have the experience and then you could you could facilitate it for other people it's it real easy to facilitate it requires you making a list of items um and then uh following the instructions for about an hour uh flipping over cards that uh tell you what to do and uh Hmm. um yeah and it's just a conversational game um that's meant to be an icebreaker or it's been described as a cry breaker uh, cry breaker because it's uh it it's it deals with uh letting go and with loss um in a kind of unique way as builders know, that's the best way to break the ice. <laughs> Everyone just start crying. It'll be great. Um, so I don't, I don't know how it went. Uh, I, I don't actually believe most people will cry, but it's meant to get you to share some interesting details about yourself um, that you're comfortable sharing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that is part of the setup of the game so that, um, yeah, so that you can kind of work through some stuff with people. And uh, this is kind of this is along the lines of one of the mental health things I want to work on with games. So I'm stoked cool. about it. I it was kind of like a you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna get this ready and I'm gonna do it at Protospiel just to see what uh, Protospiel online just to see what people think. And we were a sponsor of that, so I'm excited about that. Spoiler alert: We'll be a sponsor again next time, Heather. If I wasn't supposed nice. to say that, I'm sorry, but now everybody <laughs> knows. So um, that means you're committed. You know, you're you're right, right, right. You said in the in the podcast, so that must be true. Yeah, yeah, that's not true, but yeah. And then um, the other big thing is I've been working on. I so I got everything done from Gen Con that I needed to. I've sent out all my emails. I've made the one video I needed to make that I didn't have. Uh, now it's just waiting to hear back on stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But my daughter came to me with an idea for a three D printed party game. 
about uh, building sushi while blindfolded. Um, and so I'm pretty stoked about yes. that. Um, she's nine. And this was like, this was a fully formed, super solid idea that she brought to me. Um, and I was really impressed by it. <laughs> so I am, um, I've been printing a lot for that. I'm hoping to take that with me. Uh, so, oh yeah. So Grand Con is, is also this weekend. So I'm actually going to leave camping for a day to go to Grand Con on Labor Day weekend for Saturday. And my hope is to get to run a test of that. Uh, if I can get the stuff together, it'll be a rough test if I can, if not, I'll bring it to PAX Unplugged because I'll for sure be at PAX Unplugged. So, cool. Yeah, and, you, I, and I've seen some of those pieces. So, <laughs> were you just going to ask me if I was going to go to PAX Unplugged? Almost said, "Are you going to be at PAX Unplugged?" And then it was like, "You're staying with me." Yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's that's exciting. So yeah, we're done. We're <laughs> we're sharing a, a Airbnb. That's the first uh, time we've ever stayed together. I think. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I was like, yes. I mean, Pax Unplugged is one of those that I've always enjoyed. Is it's definitely you know bigger than Origins, smaller than Gen Con. You, everybody knows the spiel, but um, it's it's fairly approachable, especially when it comes to traveling. I usually go mm-hmm. like Frontier Airlines, cheap flight, uh, round trip, and uh, it's fairly affordable. So, I'm um, I'm excited, and at this point, you know, um, before I get into my stuff, anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, that's the big stuff. Um, if uh, you are listening and I have sent you a request uh, for the podcast and you have not fulfilled that request, please do that. If you're a listener and you think, I want to know what that request is, uh, feel free to email me at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on Discord and I will gladly tell you what that request is and then you can do that request and it'll be awesome. Um, you've got to the end of the month to get in on that. And that's all I'm going to say because I'm going to keep it cryptic. Yeah, and yeah. and don't be like Jason where he's like, "Oh, you need to send me the thing," and I'm like, "I sent it before the due date," and like, and you were like, "Well, the due date was so long ago that I forgot to check." You know what I'll say? You know what I'll say? Other co-hosts listening to this, it's because I'm used to y'all not sending me stuff when I ask for it. So Julio setting the bar. No wonder he's in first slash third place. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for for the thing, and so yeah. you'll find out soon what the thing is. Yeah, it's going to be super cool. And if you're in the Discord, you already have a pretty good idea what it is. Uh, but I think even if you know what it is, when you get to finally listen to it, it's going to be really cool. So um, the people that care are already in the Discord, so everybody knows at this point. Right? Yeah, that's fine. I'm still going to make <laughs> you join the Discord to find out, or wait and listen to the podcast. <laughs> well, so, so obviously what have you been it's. Up to? it's it has been a while since I've been on the podcast, so I think maybe, I don't know, April or something like that. Um, so a couple things have happened. Um, I did sign a game uh, with the company, uh, and I've been doing nice. some, some development on it, and it, some 3D printed stuff. There's some really cool talks about um, just the production value of the game and what that's going to what mm-hmm. that's gonna bring. It's, you know, fairly, you know, medium-sized company, so I think they can definitely uh, do it. And I've been very involved in this production side of the development, even with the 3D printing that's been involved for modeling design, not not more, not much of the 3D printing, but the modeling. Um, so before I went to Puerto Rico, I kind of got those prototypes together and, and tested it there uh, with some friends and family. And, and that's been, it, it's, it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. I haven't actually like followed up with the publisher on what the status of that was, but you know, it, I just signed it. So it's one of those things that, you know, it can wait. Um, but at this point I've been very motivated to work on, on designs that I just had ideas for the longest time and I just yeah. never had the time or, or, you know, I, I, I just wasn't motivated to work on it because I was doing the, the new thing. Um, and one of those was uh, Dice Dice Revolution. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So for builders out there, I pitched this game a long time ago. This this is a design that I designed originally in 2019. Um, some some of the builders have have played it. Uh, I know Roscoe has at PAX Unplugged the first time I went, I think. Um, and it was originally this huge. 12 inch box game for one to four players 
that played in in 10 minutes you know it's it uses music as as the main mechanism of interaction and dexterity uh to you know play on the box to the rhythm of the music and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. the the problem with that and even though i didn't pitch it much because i felt like it was kind of not ahead of its time but it was kind of like a niche within a niche because you needed an app and it was also dexterity is also big box so it just the amount of publishers that could would be even be remotely interested was very right, uh, low. Right. So I had the idea for the longest time of just taking it down to be one player or even two players, and taking it down to just a small box. The limitation there was that I just didn't have the, I guess, the means to to do it because essentially I would have to design the the insert. Uh, for the insert to be the 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 little ramp that you would use to slide dice into the scoring area, um, so I finally, of course, I have the skills with three three design and three printing, and I designed this cool. It's the box is five inches by seven inches, so that's a fairly small box, and I made an insert that you know it, it's double, so you have one on top of the other. And essentially, you open the box, and if you want to take a look at it, go on, you know, Twitter or X, or you know, I share it there, or even the the Discord channel, the prototypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you channel. did. And it, I, you open it, use the top and bottom of the box, and it's really slick the way it turned out. And essentially, it's I think this could definitely be a you know twenty five dollar game. That's a very sweet spot for you know one to two players that plays in ten minutes. And of course, if you have multiple copies, you can, you know, there's no limit to how many players can play to the same song and compete that way. So that's that's been really cool. I made some other changes on the interrupt because essentially it's the kind of game that you have both uh, dexterity and a little puzzle. They're both very simple by themselves, but together they're, they add that difficulty. Uh, that ramps up, you know, uh, when you're trying to do a puzzle while done to do the dexterity is super, it can get difficult. So, Absolutely. It, so, so I'm excited about that. Uh, and I already have some, I, some publishers that I would like to definitely pitch it to. Um, so, so that's been cool. Um, also, uh, I was working on, on the dice islands game. Uh, that one's kind of been iterating here and there. Uh, and just, I started doing some more pitching uh, to publishers that I haven't pitched in a while, and there's been a lot of interest. Been sending some prototypes, some PMPs. Uh, I had to send a, a prototype to a publisher in Germany, which I haven't done in a while because I usually don't don't pitch to publishers in in Europe. So that's you know that's obviously uh, cool. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I also had uh, the weirdest thing where a designer that I met probably five years ago, reached out and asked me about my experience with a publisher that I worked with in the past. And we had this conversation and and he's kind of in the same, um, I guess he has had a couple of games published uh, to different levels of success. So we just started talking about, you know, that kind of information of, of, you know, our experiences with publishers, which I know we've mm-hmm. done personally in the past, because obviously we don't share a lot of that stuff in the podcast, but I think that is something that I would recommend to anybody out there that has any sort of designer friends and all that. Just make get together and 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 share tips and tricks and even information. Because one of the things that I always found odd is that, and not odd, but I guess it's one of those things that I get it. Because like if you're uh, pitching to a publisher and it took you a while to get that contact. Sometimes sharing that kind of information, like a contact information, is hard, right? Because it it's kind of like sharing the the like you're sponsoring that designer to 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 be able to contact this other publisher through you, uh, which is can can be hard because you don't know if if that's the right fit. Um, so so that kind of thing, you know, it, it's something that if you have a designer uh, friend or, or colleague that you could have open up that conversation and even talk contracts and stuff like that because again i've talked about that before and and my profits and all that so i think it should be more shared because the lack of information ultimately is what hurt us so i've been more in contact with this designer 
and and we've made some good conversations, shared some contacts, both from him and and me. So that's been good. So I right now have a list of things, especially like taking a look of at games that they have and that I have, and making recommendations on publishers that we may not even have uh, thought about. Because obviously mm-hmm. we do as normal we always recommend hey do your research uh check out what games can fit with certain publisher based on their library what they've published mm-hmm. in the past and all that but a lot of the times other designers have insider information because they've pitched them more uh you know recently uh and they can just tell you hey they're looking for this now and and being part of the game designers in North Carolina, that has been the case where they, they have shared stuff like that. And that is very useful again. And, and, you know, I'm glad that people are, are being more open about that. And I hope that continues and, and can be the, the norm. I agree with you. I think that that is being able to share that stuff is so powerful, you know? Um, yeah. Your experiences and all that stuff is just really, really it's, it's good. Yeah. And we should be sharing all of that all the time with each other uh, unless a contract says we can't. And if a contract says we can't, I would question why is that the case personally? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, maybe that's just me. And there's always somebody more experienced than you or even, you know, less experienced as well. There's always going to be somebody new. Um, so imparting that information and giving, you know, giving back to the community is always important. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sure <clears throat> is. But one other thing that I've been working on is is a new design. You know, so I always like to work on something new, right? That never stops. It's true. You do. Uh, so this was actually the idea spawned when I was in Puerto Rico. Um, and I and this idea has come up a lot because it's funny enough, you mentioned on the last podcast that uh, I listened to was uh, that you bought uh, the Uno Cuatro game at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and, and then uh, I think Jamie said, you know, and we're stressed. Uh, so... I I I was like you know I would I would like to design what a tres would look like as a as a card game, and and I and I had this idea for a game, but one of the things with the game was the the amount of of information that I would take to design the deck that I had in mind was was like almost impossible for me to do it myself. So in you know as a as a uh segue here uh one of the bringing in the topic because i decided to use uh ai to help me design this deck Mm -hmm. so so the topic today is you know using these new or you know fairly new ai tools as as tools to help us design and and then some in different aspects and of course this whole conversation is going to come with a caveat that neither you or me are experts on this topic right this is something that's fairly new and there's a lot of different tools that we don't know about Mm -hmm. but we can definitely uh, uh give a little information and also even ideas of things that may not even exist that, Hey, maybe we should check on that and see if that's something that can be done. Right. So that's again, having that ignorance of that inexperience of, okay, maybe we're bringing ideas to the table that are not there yet. So. I agree with you. I was pulling up uh chat GPT um, just to look at it. Cause I really haven't done anything with it. So um, let's let's start with a with a background at least on you know ChatGPT as as since I just brought that up. So uh, ChatGPT uh, at this point I think they're in uh, version four or something, but essentially let's call it like an upgraded version of of Siri of Alexa where you just tell it something and it'll respond to you. The main difference here is in AI is that it has. Uh, uh, the capability of withholding information from the conversation. So the more when you start a prompt and you continue on that prompt, it'll remember the things that you've asked for or said in the past. And, and, you know, it can help in the conversation essentially, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can use it in multiple ways. So let's just keep on the, what I was talking about for my design. So the main difficulty here is that, this was going to be a hundred card deck. 
I wanted to keep it simple. I wanted to have five colors on the deck and then numbers one through five. Mm-hmm. The problem was, uh, so if you get those those five things, that's essentially twenty five unique cards, because um, you know colors uh, blue, red, green, yellow, and pink. Colors one, two, three, four, five, twenty five combinations. Mm-hmm. The main difference is that, or the hook here is that the back of the card also has colors five colors and you know and numbers one through five. But what's in the front is always different from what's in the back. So if you have a red three in front, then on the back, it's not going to be a red three. It's going to be another color and another number. So that is the secret sauce here is that it's a 100-card deck. So there's 25 unique combinations. So if you have that combination 25 times and there's five colors and five numbers, there's essentially, once you have five cards determined, there's, after you put in five cards, there's only one unique deck that can be done where it fits those criteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, may, ho- hopefully I haven't lost anybody here because it I is I mean, a kinda... little bit, but I, I think that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> is that it's a lot to get your head around. It, it, so it, 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 it is simple because again, five colors, five numbers. But the front of the card is always different from the back in color and number. And you have each combination repeated four times, both on the front and back on a hundred card deck. So what was the problem? Once I started making this deck on a spreadsheet, I kind of got to 15, 20 cards and I was already having trouble. <laughs> like, And if you're I was having already- trouble, like I don't even want to think about it. Well, yeah, I mean, because you already, oh, I already repeated this combination, so it's not unique. Oh, this number is already here three times. I got to save it for, for a future one. So it was super difficult to do. And I'm like, well, can I, and I've heard about ChatGPT and, and right. ChatGPT is something that I know in the, in the school uh, education has been a tool that students have used to somewhat, I guess I don't I don't want to call it cheat, but if you if you need to do an essay on Moby Dick, you you can essentially ask ChatGPT to give me an essay for Moby Dick, two pages uh, written at an eighth grade school level, writing with five grammatical grammatical errors, it'll do that. Mm-hmm. You know that's the kind of tool that this can. Right, right. With five <laughs> grammatical errors. Yeah, it'll it'll do right, it. So, right. but there um, also is to be clear, uh, we're not advocating that you should do that. And also, there specifically is anti-chat GPT software that can actually look at a paper to say this was probably written by AI. Yeah, yeah, and again, and I'm I'm that i I would be against that because essentially it's it's getting the way of of your imagination and and just your growing as either a writer or or critical thinking essentially right um so but that's another that's probably another uh topic altogether i just wanted to i mean i just wanted to throw out there that like that is yes at least my personal stance on that that you know that's not good especially yeah. someone who's about to go back into college i just want to say that i would not do that <laughs> <laughs> well but it, so but ultimately like i said early on i was meaning to hey how can we use this as a tool so as an engineer and let's just keep it simple you know math numbers you know you know how to you know add numbers subtract multiply divide and once you get into you know integrals and and calculus stuff you know things start getting a little muddy so calculators can do a lot of that thing that stuff for you Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. I always been of a mind that you need to know how things work before you can ask a computer to do it so you can understand it better. Well, and I mean, you do have to have whenever you're if you're, you know, I came from a data spreadsheet background. I mean, like when you are asking, when you're trying to tell the computer to do something for you, you have to have at least of enough understanding of what you want and what's going to go into that. If you don't, you can't guarantee the results are going to be correct or what you actually are looking exactly, for. Exactly, exactly. But that's you know that's the case with you know with a calculator where it's dumb 
technology, right? right. So now we're talking about smart technology where it, it has the information of the internet. And but you still have to still be able be... to define the parameters and correct. You know, you're you still have to say this is the combination of cards I want. Yeah, do that for me. So here's the funny thing. So I haven't gone even into the thing. Let's 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 talk. Like let's, let's keep it back on track because we'll t- keep talking about this for for forever. Um, so I, I, I said to chat GPT and let me just, I think I have it open here. Um, I essentially asked it to do the thing 25 times because it could not do it. That's how hard the, the freaking deck was. I spent, I'm not kidding. I'm trying to save time to do this. And I probably spent like seven hours trying to get this deck, um, through chat GPT. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yes. So let me let me just show you like my last out of the twenty five prompts what my last prompt was because this is the one that got me the most success. I this is my first that my I essentially went from having a conversation with Chat GPT to just having be like a like a computer conversation. So I told it create a hundred cards. The front of each card will have a number and a color. The back of each card will have a number and a color. Use numbers one through three, four, five, and then colors red, blue, green, yellow, uh, pink. Uh, uh, and then use each number an equal amount of times in front and the back of the 100 card deck. Use each color an equal uh, amount of times in the front of deck uh, and back of the 100 card deck. If the front color and number combination has been used in another card, the back color and number combination should be different in cards of the same front. So that's that was a lot. Yeah, and this is yeah. again after. But I did it when you when you told it to do that. It did, it... It did not. <laughs> it did not. But here's the thing: it after some trial and error and, and making some other changes, telling it, okay, I like this. Keep these parameters, but do this. It would. It started okay. giving me something. It still had errors. But again, mm-hmm. after seven hours, I got something close enough. It still had, I think it was like 18 errors, but I took the what it gave me. I put it on the spreadsheet and I just manually changed. Those. Okay. Yes. So finally, I got the, de- the deck that I wanted after seven hours with, with ChatGPT. But ultimately, like I said, if it would have been myself without it, I wouldn't have been able to do it. How, like, I guess, I mean, I... I don't fully understand what you were trying to do. I think I do, but like to me, that feels like well, a pain in the butt, it should be spreadsheetable. Like you should be able to do that on a spreadsheet. I'm not saying I want to try. I just, I've had those moments where like, I'm like, Oh, like I literally make spreadsheets that are color coded and like, I'm copying and pasting and moving stuff around to make it fits. I think, I guess a hundred cards is what makes it so hard. It um, is. Because like, I'll Again, even do things where it'll count. Like, how many of this do I have? How many of that do I have? How many? Like, you know what I mean? Um, yes. And and it is the 100 cards thing, especially because, like I said, once you have five cards determined, all the other cards can only have one answer. Right, right, right. Why didn't you just say, here are the five cards, make 95 more cards? I'm telling you, I, I did 25. Did you try months. that? Okay, okay. I It was... It, like I gave it, here's these cards. Give me this and this based on, I tried so many different ways, Jason, I can't even imagine. But wow. anyway, regardless, it it, it helped me. It was a tool uh-huh. that helped me achieve my 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 goal there. Um, so that is definitely one, when it comes to calculations or determining iterations of of cards, that is something that you can definitely play around with. Um, and, and it may take you a while to get there, but again, like you said, if, and I wouldn't have been able to do it myself, um, without, you know, losing my mind because again, I did 20 cards and I was already making mistakes while this thing did a hundred cards with 18 mistakes in two seconds. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So after I, guess... I gave it the parameters that I knew I wanted. Right. So, so... So the question is, I think, is we're asking ourselves now, what else could this be useful for, right? Correct. And you know what? Correct. That's a great question, Julio. And I actually didn't know what the answer should be. So you know what I did? 
Mm. As you were talking, I said, hey, ChatGPT, how can I use you <laughs> to help with board game design? And okay. it gave me immediately, it popped out eight, nine things it thinks it can help with. So oh, nice. I, I thought, love it. I thought, let's go down this list and see what we agree with. Okay. Okay. Let's um, do it. Does that sound cool? Let's do it. All right. So the first one is concept generation. It says brainstorm initial ideas for your board game. Mm -hmm. Describe the theme, mechanics, goals, and unique features you have in mind. Chat GPT can help you refine the concepts or suggest new ones based on your input. I think I agree with that. Like that feels like if I'm like, I want to make a game about this, this, and this. I'm trying to figure out how I would do that. It might just give you a bunch of ideas and they might be garbage but that could still help get you to the next space down there, right? Yeah, it's essentially brainstorming, right? Like right. you do brainstorming with somebody else. It could definitely help you on that regard. And and even on a, on a base level, you don't even need to have a theme or mechanism. Like I know you you and Rob uh, used to do all these, you know, the what do you call it, the pitches where – it randomly picked the mecha mechanism. Oh yeah. Games. Yeah. The pitch challenges. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just put it in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, ex no, exactly. Like give me, give me some, like you can probably ask it what themes are not used much in board games. And that could be right, something, right. you know, that could help you because it knows, well, I don't know what exactly the, their database right. is, but you know, it could definitely, but I, I agree with that for sure. And that's something I know John Gilmore has talked about using a database for. There's a database out there. I don't know if it was Board Game Geek or something, but basically this database would search Board Game Geek and it would give you all the mechanics and themes that were never used together, right? So yeah. he was, you know, it's like, that's how I think he ended up with a word game that was a city builder because that had just not been done, right? Okay, second one, mechanics refinement. If you have an, a basic idea for a game mechanics, but need to flesh them out or make them more engaging, describe the mechanics to ChatGPT. It can provide suggestions for rules, turn structures, wow. player interactions, and more. I, uh, I don't know that I believe it can do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's definitely one thing that uh, through playtesting at this point, playtest with ChatGPT, right? And see if it works or not, right? Well, you're getting it's ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it it does seem like obviously, again, the I don't know what the database said, and this is where you know we we're not experts here, and and one thing I do want to make sure that we get to, so we'll get through this fast, is that ChatGPT is just one of a lot of AI tools mm -hmm. out there. Um, so, so yeah, let's go to the next one. So, okay. So the next one is balancing and play testing. Um, and when I first, so when I saw balancing and play testing, I was like, that's stupid. But then I read the description and it actually sounds, I'll, I'll explain. So, um, describe the core elements of your game, such as player actions, resources, and victory conditions. Chat GBT can offer insights into the potential balancing issues and strategies that might arise during playtesting. You can simulate scenarios and ask for advice on making the game fair and exciting. And so here's at first I was like <laughs> stupid, right? That's dumb. Yeah. But for balanced, here's what I'll say. One of the tricks I learned from when I was working on games with Neil Roberts was Neil would write code that mm -hmm. would do exactly this. Basically, it would just run a hundred, you know, it would run like a thousand iterations of this and see what happened. And it would show you like what worked and what doesn't work, right? Yeah. Um, so I 100% buy that it could do that. I mean, it's never going to be able to give you, like I would say balancing. Play testing, I'm not going to yes. give it play testing. Yeah, and making it exciting. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, no. That's definitely very subjective to the player. Um, but definitely, yeah, the balancing, and of course, I know that, and builders out there know as well that just because a game is balanced doesn't mean that it's fun, right? Sometimes a game not being balanced to a certain extent makes it exciting that way, and, and right, that's why, right. oh, I'm gonna play this, you know, uh, person or, or character because I know it, they're harder to deal with, so. You know, that's kind of part of the fun as well. But yeah, definitely if you have, and, and I think the complexity of a game definitely sets that as well. Like if the game is something, you know, checkers and stuff like that, where you can, there's definitely a level of complexity that you probably right. 
will not be able to <clears throat> go. But again, we won't have it tried, so we can't knock it till we try it. Right, right. So next up, I'm just going to say no on this one, but I'm going to read it anyways. Storytelling and theme. If your board game has a narrative or thematic element, describe the setting and characters to ChatGPT. It can help you develop a compelling backstory, create character personalities, and suggest ways to integrate the theme more effectively in your gameplay. I- I'm really against that. I be- am for. Oh, so this is where- well, so here's why I'm against it, or most of it. There's a couple things when it's like create, like, um, like, Basically, like, create more characters. Like, if you're like, I need 50 characters for this, create them, right? But, like, to me, this is this is right in line with the AI art stuff, right? Where, like, mm-hmm. I, could, I could write it myself or I could hire a writer, a human being, to do this. And I would feel a lot more comfortable doing that than having the robot do it for me, right? Yeah, um, yeah. but, but and, you tell and, me why you disagree. So, so I agree with you on that. Now, when it comes to a prototype though, so, and I agree because I already, I already did it once. And this is one of the things I wanted to bring up is, um, for one of my games, it's a, it, the game is an abstract game. Uh, I, well, not, well, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it was one of the, the, uh, champion land games. So the, the oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. micro Olympic games. You know, I I wanted to have a blurb for what Champion Land was, and I just kind of said, "Hey, I have this game that's eighteen cards and you know Olympic based and uh, you know that kind of thing. Give me give me something exciting to say about what a narratively not narratively but a story not a, not even a story. I guess it, a blurb like yeah yeah I get flavor text yeah yeah flavor text right." Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know it gave me something and I didn't agree with it completely. I made a couple changes and I'm like, this seems cool. And I put it on the on the prototype. Of course, it was not used. But here's the thing: like the same way we and we'll probably get into the art part. You know, if we don't go too long um, on you know the the visual art. But saving time is something that we probably want to do uh, more, especially when you have a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. And if I just want to put in a blurb for one of my games that has a theme that, you know, it's something that has been done before, mm-hmm. then, hey, why not? Right, right. I mean, I I see where you're coming from. And I, and I you, think it's a you, fine You line. are a writer, right? So you are a writer, so obviously you, you, have, you are a little more against it in that sense. Um, and, and I, I guess I just enjoy like, you know, like, yeah, like for instance, opposite is opposite. This is a great example. I could have said to this really easily, like, here's the type of things I need. Like I could have said, chat GPT, what I need is I need pairs of six. I mean, uh, groupings of six words, three of which come from one theme and three of which come from a closely related theme. Give me those pairs and like in or those sets. And I think it could have done it really fast. And then I just would have had to go through and edit them. But what I did was, and even if I'd known that was an option, I still would have done this. I hired my friend, Kristen Devine and said, Hey, help me come up with these, these groups of words. And what I got out of that was a person who really thought through the pairings. And that's not something that this is going to be able to do. It's not going to get the nuance of that. Um, and I got to work with a friend instead of a robot. So like for now, like I don't think I could be convinced of that, but I will say that if I was like, Hey, I need some character personalities for this list or something like it says it can do here. I, I, I could see considering doing that for a prototype or for like you did it for a short blurb or something like that, especially one that's not going to be used in production. It's just, let me save me some time right now. I get that. I get that. And I would say that I'm not, totally opposed to that so (laughs) and and even then here's the thing it's not one or the other you can definitely use both again if it's something that can get you started because like you said it's not gonna know the nuance but if it can get you started and then hey talk with with uh uh chris was it uh kristen kristen um uh 
and and then go through the thing together again, then, right, then why right. not, right? Right. Uh, it, it just saved you time on, on getting it started. And on a game like that, it would have been tempting. We were like, we're going to have 120 cards. And we're like, we're going to have 60 cards because 120 <laughs> is just too many to come up with, right? Hey, man, ultimately, so, you had the idea, right? And you spend a lot of time thinking right, through right. the 60 cards. If you can have ChatGPT get you right, 80 more, right. or, you know, 60 more cards just to, you know, right, but right. again. And the nice thing is you could actually, in that case, you could feed in the 60 cards you already have. I'm assuming you could probably drop a spreadsheet or something into I, it. I, maybe I with a, there's a plus version and then maybe it would take that. I don't know. I, I like I said, I don't know a lot about how it works. Um, so the next one, number five, good news, game designers, Chad GPT, you know what it's going to do? It's going to write your rule book for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's what's funny to me about this. It says drafting clear and concise rulebook is crucial for players to understand how the game works. You can outline the rules and you have in mind and ask ChatGPT to write them in a comprehensive manner. It can also assist in providing examples and clarifications. So what I heard was if you write your rules, I can take your rules and I can make them better. And I First of all, they don't think it can. But second of all, like I still have to write the rules so it can understand yeah. the rules, you know? Yeah, but again, I think that could be useful, especially when it comes to, you know, we're not technical writers. Um, and if it can simplify a lot of things, like especially, you know, a lot of people don't know this, you know, but, you know, you write a game, uh, always try to write a rule book from a first player perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do this? You do this, but a lot right, of people right. do. Oh, the first player does that, right? While right. The, so people don't know that. But if you just do it this way and then give it to, it may recommend something along those lines. Again, I don't know, but even something as simple as finding grammatical errors, or you know, right? right you right. mentioned this on this paragraph. Maybe it's easier if you move it here. Um, right, right. Again, and I don't know how much it would understand. Right. I don't know either. From, but but again, I think going with something simple with like a one pager or two pager could be a definitely uh, something to try out for sure. Here's here's an interesting reverse thought I have on this. You know, one of the things I struggle with as a game designer is the teach, like figuring out a concise way to do the teach. Could I take a rule book and give it to chat GPT, paste in the rule book and say, give me a script for the most efficient way to teach players how to play this game. That is something I would be interested in trying because I'm not taking work away from anyone by doing that. I mean, I'm taking it away from myself, right? I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to, but I'd be interested to know if it could give you a script to say that would help you be better at teaching games. Cause like, that's one of my biggest struggles, honestly, is like, mm. how do I teach games in an efficient manner? Um, you know, because my brain just my brain does not work in an efficient manner. It just doesn't. I can see that. I don't know about a script to teach others like in person, but maybe a script for for a video, right? Uh, like a give me a one minute script oh, yeah. video mm-hmm. for for a, for a zizzle video of this you know sixty minute game. That's really really hard for us to kind of try to concise a lot of information. So that may be something as well, especially if right, you, right. you want to read it, right? Because if, if Sometimes it's just hard to come up with that kind of stuff, and it takes time. It does take a lot of time, even for us that right. know the game inside and out more than anybody else. So this next one is not what you did, but it's the closest it gets to it. Number okay. six is component design. Describe the components of your game, such as cards, tokens, and a game board. Chad GPT can offer ideas for visual designs, including color shapes and layout suggestions, the line with your game's theme and mechanics. Um, I would say that's that is a simplified version of what you did with it. Right. Well, it, I think it, it definitely expanded, expands it more to uh, graphic design for some, you know, from the looks of it um, as well. And I don't know if ChatGPT has that visual um, response to it. Like if you tell it to, Hey, show me a card that's yellow and, and pink or something. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it's just maybe mainly text. What I know that, OpenAI, which I think is the ChatGPT mother or whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yep. Um, it, it, they have multiple AIs for different things, including the whole all the image stuff as well. Right, right. And and so my, of course, personal opinion on that would be, 
uh, that I might use that for a prototype to determine how to lay something out. But I would always be against having AI lay it out for a final product. Like that should be a person graphic designer with a job doing that. And, um, and I don't know if it is, is are any other others uh, image related? Just, just to... that one. Okay. So, uh, yeah, just, no. so let's just talk about that real quick since we're on the topic. Yeah. So yeah. on my side, I would definitely try it to get a layout, but not for it to generate for the whole game. Just right, to see, right. you know, yeah. get ideas on that part. Now, for the visuals, I'm, I wouldn't even use it for a prototype because it takes sometimes it takes you so long to just find images on Google. Uh, and with this one, it, honestly, Wiki designers sometimes, and me personally, I'm a little more picky when it comes to visuals more than others. And when you tell you, when you get the idea of this thing is going to get me exactly what I need, you're going to be there forever, even more oh, than just searching something yeah. on Google. And I'm not talking about like, I wouldn't be asking it to generate like AI art for me. Like I'm saying like, Hey, what's the best way to lay out this card? Cause that's something I struggle yeah, with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I'm, show me a layout. Saying. And, and what I'm saying is kind of expanding it to the visual side since we right, kind of touched right. on yeah. it. Um, and that's the main thing I wanted to talk about as well, uh, because I know there's this whole thing with using AR art for, for board games, even published ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm definitely against that part. But even using it for prototypes, I feel like sometimes you want to be consistent with the type of art that you're using. And it's very hard... Uh, or maybe I'm just not using the right tools because that, that this is not what I deal with. I, yeah, I, I found that as well. Like I used when, I don't remember which one it was, um, but I used one of the AI art generators when it first came out. I don't remember which one it was. I had a super fun time making really silly stuff. Like my kids would be like, I want to see a shark riding a horse, eating pizza. Like, and it was really funny. Um, but when I saw the things people were coming up with, I was like, how are you doing that? Like, um, and I used it to just, I would just ask it really weird existential questions to see what kind of art it would give me. Like when I did that, you know, like show me the end of the world, like show me the loneliest place in the world, like weird stuff like that, just to see what it would do. (laughs) I have too much time sometimes when I can't sleep. Um, And so that to me was really as an interesting experiment, but like I never got anything useful out of it. And I don't, you know, at first I was like, this is really neat. And then like hearing like, Hey, look how it's stealing from other things and like pulling from people's art. And like that, that was for me, it was like, Nope, done. And you know, if my kids were like, Hey, let's generate some funny art that we're just going to look at and never like print or do anything with. I don't see a problem with goofing around with it like that. I mean, I'm not paying the company. It's just the free tickets or whatever you get to use in it. Um, and I actually don't even remember what the name of it is. So I don't even yeah. know that I could log into it again. But yeah, yeah. So that That's the difference I see there. Here's the only thing I would use it for when it comes for prototypes uh, for on the image side. To get a prototype cover for my game. Oh, like yeah. If okay. I have a box, I can just ask it to do a, a cover that shows this and this in this style. Hey, that's cool. I'll put it there on, on the cover and just put the name on it again. It's not going to, it's just for a prototype. Right. And right. I shouldn't be too picky about a cover because it's not going to be used in any way, right. shape or form for the gameplay. It, it, so hopefully I won't be spending five hours trying to get the perfect cover. That's, right. You know. <laughs> well, and I think that like, I mean, generally when we're doing, most of us are using just random art we're finding online for stuff, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I generally, for anything, but for covers, what I generally do for covers is I use um, a font that I look think looks cool. I'll try and find a non-commercial font that I think is cool. I'll download that. I'll use that. Um, or a commercial use font, sorry, not a non-commercial use font. Uh, and I'll use that. And then like, I may put some like noun project art in there. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's usually good enough for my covers. Um, for the game that I was running a protospiel, I actually went out and found a picture and was like, oh, I like this picture. I'm going to use this. Um, and, you know, it was basically just like, I'll use this for this. But obviously, if yeah. I was going to publish it, I would hire an artist. But like I pay to be in on the noun project. That way I can feel good about downloading all the stuff that I use there. 
um, because yeah. it's legal to do that and use it. Um, but and even then, yeah. these days, what I do is I just take my cell sheet and, and put it on the box. And you know, oh, yeah, that's more good information. Too. I would have to make so, cell sheets to do that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of old school that way, but I, they have been useful. Oh, I, mean, I should make them. I'm just really bad at making them and I hate making them. And I've been fortunate enough to work with other designers for a while where they've made them. Like, that's like, they're like, I'll make the sell sheet. But, but I know then, other designers that they're successful and they don't do sell sheets. Right, so that's right. So, well, I, so I have found when somebody says, can you send me a sell sheet? I'll say, I can send you a video. And they're like, oh, okay, great. Um, and I would, I hate making videos, but I'm way more adept at it than I am at making sell yeah. sheets. Yeah. So, all right, we should move on here. Yeah, let's do so this next one, player experience. Discuss the kind of experience you want your players to have while playing your game. Whether it's cooperative, competitive, strategic, or lighthearted, ChadGBT can help you refine the mechanics and components to create the desired player experience. Yeah, this whole thing with when ChadGBT would know what is fun, what the player experience is yeah. going to be, this is kind of where the things get a I little weird. Because Yeah, I would be interested <laughs> to know how it pulls that kind of data, but to me, that's like a big... I would never trust this, right? I want to see it with my eyes, watch people play a game and see how they feel about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ultimately, for all these prompts uh, or suggestions, I think brainstorming is the ultimate way of using it, right? right. Like, if you want to do some brainstorming, hey, the, here's a, a, a robot that can talk back to you and maybe give you some crazy right. ideas that may be what you need. <laughs> all right, we got two left. This next okay. one, I actually really like. Number eight is expansion ideas. If you're considering a future expansion for your board game, describe the core game and its mechanics to ChatGPT. It can help you brainstorm ideas for new content, additional rules, and expansion themes that seamlessly integrate with your base game. I like the idea of saying, I have a game about this. Um, what are some other things I could explore with this game in an expansion? I mean, then it's really just helping you brainstorm, right? I mean, that's yeah. what this is. This is just a very specific form of brainstorming. Um, and, and then... Yeah, because, because ultimately, like, especially when you have a theme that you we're, we're not experts in any of the themes, regardless of cultural uh, uh, involvement or not, even if it's something that we know about, we usually use Google, right? And let's see what else we know about. We can anything else that we can know about this specific theme you know even something like water balloon washout right right um, yeah <laughs> you know you're, you're you're still googling hey what what kind of uh super soakers are out there these days or something exactly like yes so no i i'm 100 i think that's fine the last one also sure naming and branding number nine hmm. if you're struggling to come up with a catchy title for your board game Provide details about its theme and mechanics to ChatGPT. It can suggest creative and relevant names that capture the essence of your game. Sure. Give me a bunch of ideas. Like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do that at Game Designs in North Carolina. Sometimes we just do this. Hey, I have this game about this. Give me give me some ideas. And people start. It's, it's a fun uh, exercise, you know. Um, and, of course, it's just for a name. And as designers, we like the alliteration. So putting in, hey, give me that. Are you writing? Are you typing something now? I'm typing one more thing in. So, <laughs> yeah. What are you typing? Oh, so, no, no. You can keep you can keep talking. So, yeah. Okay. So, you want to keep doing the thing. Well, um, yeah. But, I, yeah. Ultimately, again, all these things are just brainstorming. Uh, or Most of them are. Now, one thing that I know for a fact that I, I know somebody that has told me that they have used it in this way, and I think it's interesting, is um, they do graphic design uh, professionally uh, for board games, but they don't use it for graphic design. They actually use it for communication in emails, responses. So you feed it the email, what they responded, and you say, I want to answer this email uh, and and uh, say yes, but talk about this and this, and it will draft an email for you response. Because sometimes people spend a lot of time, you know, including myself, just kind of thinking through how you're going to say this in a respectful manner or not to be too one way or another. So you could, he does that, this person. Um, so so I, I thought it was an interesting idea. And I, I, I'm not one that struggles with writing emails too much. But I know that some people could be, and in, in even myself, like especially if it's somebody that I don't 
know much so i want to maybe keep it resourceful or something like that or or even of course when it comes to um language barriers as well um, right, right. So, that's an interesting that is an interesting like yeah like your second language English and you want to be like, how do I, like, I want to make sure I'm sounding correct with this. So, yeah. So, so that's, that's one that I didn't mention, but the whole communication issue just, it's an interesting one. Awesome. So, so that's, um, that is, and, and I know we're already kind of, we've talked a lot about it and we kind of gone on different tangents, uh, but um, on the visual one as well, and I mentioned my wife being a professional photographer, um, she, um, photography is not just about taking photographs of the day, right? It's eight to eight to 10 hours of taking photographs of, of a wedding, but a lot of the work and time is spent the post-processing and editing of photos. Right, right. And for a wedding, we're talking about, you know, a thousand to 1500 photos, Right. Um, so that's a lot of her, how her time is spent doing that editing. And I've always told her like, Hey, you should hire somebody just to help you with the editing. Um, so you just go but, out and shoot and then they help you with the editing. The yeah. Time. The yeah. problem with that is that people have different editing styles. So it's very difficult to find somebody that will edit the way you would edit. Mm-hmm. So one thing that has come out is this image AI where you essentially feed it, I think it's like 3,500 photos of your work editing style, and it'll help you doing some initial edits on future photos using, it'll learn your editing style. So again, this is maybe something that for board games, if it's a lot of cards or something like that, just to be consistent. Or even things like uh, you have an art that's in very low low resolution. It can even up the resolution for it. Fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You know, even expanding like, oh, it, it has these fi- this fire uh, frame. I want the image to be bigger. So let's expand that fire frame even more. Add more fire. And it'll do that kind of stuff as well. Okay. So, so that kind of thing is, you know, it's on the borderline of, of, you know, obviously, like I said, she could hire somebody, but right now she it's so difficult to find somebody that would do that work specifically as she wants it. Um, while she is paying for this, this service, and this is more of a, you know, with Photoshop kind of thing as well, um, where, Hey, it does initial editing. She still needs to do post-processing and, and do some more editing, but it has cut down her editing time a lot. Of course, her her um, her editing style may shift in the future. And that's, you know, obviously up to her. Um, uh, So so that is something to consider. But the thing will as long as you keep feeding how you change things and not change it too much because it's not going to be consistent between photos then. uh, But that is something to something to consider as well. That is that is. Well, you got a game to pitch. I do, I do, but I want to say one more thing. Yeah. One more thing. Again, this is what you get for not having me on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so the other one is I know that there are other tools that help you like make websites and programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, as designers, sometimes you hey, if you want to have a website, you don't know how to do it. There's probably an AI tool that out there that will help you feed it your sell sheets. Give it maybe your your PGG information or something, and it'll make a nice little website that people can go there and contact you that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if, if like social media is not a, a thing you want to do right now, uh, then and you don't want to deal with doing a, a, a website in Squarespace or stuff like that, even though it's simple. That is something that I know can be done as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a lot of tools out there to help with a lot of different things for sure. Yeah. So well, it's been um, a fun, interesting convo and uh, aided by AI to have a con uh, conversation about AI. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So uh, builders out there, you know, obviously this is probably not the last time we speak about it. So as we learn more and the future goes on, uh, as long as the AI overloads, so, you know, rebel against us, we'll, we'll bring out a future update. 
Indeed. So, so yeah, um, since I talked about this whole Tres uh, game, I did want to talk about what the game was. Um, so I, I had the deck, um, this special deck. I'm calling it the Fiverr deck um, of the five colors and five numbers. Uh, essentially, uh, at this point, the game is supposed to be s- simple, right? Uh, essentially, you are trying to make uh, uh, three of a kind in either mm-hmm. color or number. The game is two to six players at this point. Uh, the front of the card is uh, obviously you can see the front of the card and it also has a little number and symbol that showcases what the back of the card is. So you don't have to be looking at the back of the card and stuff like that. But of course your opponent knows the back of the card because they're looking at the back of your cards. So what that gives you information when your opponent sees that one of your cards is a red five, that means that that card on the other side is not a red five. It's not even a red right, right. or a five. So I wanted to play around with that kind of limited information and how could you uh, play around with that. So essentially, the on your turn, you play a card in the center of the table, uh, face up for everybody to see. And this is like a, a communal play area where players uh, will try to make uh, three of a kind. Uh-huh. Now, whoever completes that three of a kind between any of the players wins the game. Okay. So you don't want to play cards that will help others. Um, but after you play a card, you always get to uh, challenge one player, uh, wh- whichever it is, based on the information that they're providing on the back of their cards. Mm-hmm. What you do by challenging is essentially just drawing one card from their hand and putting it face down on the table. And if that card matches in color or number from what's already there, any of the cards that are already there, then you win the challenge. Okay, okay. And what happens when you win a challenge? All the cards that are face up are discarded, and you get that card that you drew, and you put it in front of you on the back side. Okay, okay. So the card that you knew that was there. Yeah, yeah, yep. So with these back side of the cards, you'll also be able to win with a three of a kind. Uh, and that's how you win, win. Well, that you can win with the central one, because again, if you miss if you miss a, a challenge, then nothing happens. So those cards keep adding up, and sometimes there may be already there's 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 um, two fives there. Is Jason gonna have a five in their hand in his hand? You know, um, right, right. So I want to challenge that or not. So because if I challenge, you're still gonna draw a card because you always have three cards in, in front of you. I forgot to say that. Oh, okay, okay. That makes more sense then. So you have three cards in your hand, and, and that's essentially it. Um, again, the game is is simple. The main reason I wanted to focus on is is the the tension, and the challenges bring that, because there's information given, and you're always trying to make a, a challenge work. So you get that card that will help you win in the future, but also, do you want to challenge that player because they may not have what you want? You know, right, right. It's, so, go ahead. No, go ahead. I got something to say when you're done, but about this. But ultimately, uh, I changed the the name. It's not. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna pursue the whole tre- tres thing. Uh, so I, I I gave it a theme. It's called uh, Piñata Trio. So you're nice. essentially playing nice. you, instead of number uh, numbers is piñata shapes, and then of course the colors, the five colors. Um, and when you play in face up, they're just, you know, piñatas, normal piñatas. And then when they're face down is the, they have this candy spread out. So they're broken. Nice. So the broken piñatas stay in front of you and they don't get discarded. So I really like that. That's a, that's a solid theme. Did chat GPT give you that theme? Nope. <laughs> it did <laughs> not. Kidding. I thought of it all myself. Oh, wow. Not a system AI. So. That sounds fun. I would love to try that. What's funny to me is it didn't occur to me until you pitched the game, even though you've talked about the cards you're trying to generate, that you were trying to solve the same problem I was trying to solve with a game um, in a different way. I wanted to have a game where you have essentially an empty box full of crumbs, right? And I was trying to make it so that whatever 
basically every card had like a donut on one side and crumbs on the other. Okay. Okay. And I wanted it so that you dealt all the cards out to everyone. And then you put all the extra cards face down in the box so that you can see the crumbs. But the rule is the crumb on the back of your card will never be the donut you actually have in your hand. But what I couldn't get to work with that was I needed it to be set so that essentially when I saw the crumbs in the box, I knew which cards were out there. But the problem is I couldn't figure out a way to distribute the cards to players to make that work because Mm. it's possible that that donut card could just be in the box as well in another location. Right. Um, And so I've pivoted to a different idea around that, but, um, but it's interesting. It was literally the same thing that I was trying to figure out in a different way. Um, But mine wasn't the issue of like, it was easy to say like, okay, it's, it's this on the front and this on the back. That was easy for me because it was one piece of information on both sides, right? Yeah. The problem is getting it so that the cards always work a certain way. That was not easy. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're distributing all the cards between players. That is a lot of information. And then mm-hmm. the whole setup of that can be difficult as oh, well. Oh, the setup right? would be literally impossible without it just being absolutely awful. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so the, the game is – it's I think is you know it's getting there. I definitely want to test it on a higher player count because I say it's two to six, but I've only tested up to three. But you know it, it is a hundred card deck, so I don't think right. it yeah, really with six. You would think it yeah. really affect much, but of course I I still need to test it before I, I do anything else there. Um, but yeah, at this point, um, you know I, I I'm also at this point Buttonshy is also evaluating more. Champion Land games, so I also got to do some. Uh, at this point, it's really updating a lot of rules. Yeah. So that's kind oh, of. Oh, the what... fun part of game design. You know, yeah, ChatGPT yeah. will do that for you. I don't know if you heard it, but <laughs> I'll just take that right over for you, man. You don't have to do well, any of it. Well, we'll see. Maybe with you DDR. You just put your rules, it'll write your rules for you. So, yeah. Yeah. Seven hours later, you'll have rules. <laughs> well, it's been, it's been a good one, Jason. Yeah, this has been fun, as always. All right, hey, uh, listeners uh if you want to get in touch with us you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com uh there you can find a link to our discord you can sign up for that like you should uh you could also email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com uh but of course the easiest bestest way of getting in touch with us is you know just to keep coming back every single week and until next time good night buenas noches building the game building the game with jason and friends with jason and friends building the game building the game with jason and friends with jason and friends the end of the episode that's when it technically ends